Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted to sample the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. Hello, hello everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Heel Squad. We are so excited for today's guest You are going to love it, especially my drama queens, my fellow drama queens. (laughs) You'll find out what I mean in just a minute. But first, our quote of the day. Some people are trying to outrun their trauma by creating the drama. And that, my friends, is by our guest today, Dr. Scott Lyons. Oh, man, we are going to learn a lot in this episode. But first, if you haven't left us a review, please help us by leaving us a review. We'll leave a link to it in the summary below. Uh, Thank you to everyone who has been leaving them. We're so grateful. They keep our spirits up and they keep us going. So we're super grateful for that. Um, Also, if you haven't gotten any of your merch, Heel Squad merch is up and live on mariamenunos.com. Or if you don't know how to spell that, just go to heelsquad.com. It will redirect you right to the site. Get your mug, get your t-shirts, um, I love that you guys can be identifiable now out in public with your Heel Squad merch. And if you ever see us, please come up and say hello. We would love to meet you all. I met a Heel Squatter this weekend, actually, um, at church. Uh, this woman was like, I'm part of the Heel Squad. And I was like, oh my God, that's so amazing. So, um, so we love getting to meet you guys. Uh, let's talk about our guest today, Dr. Scott Lyons. So he is a clinical psychologist, doctor of osteopathy and mind-body medicine practitioner who specializes in therapies for infants, youths, and adults. Youth, I mean. (laughs) In his new book, Addicted to Drama, Dr. Lyons paints an empathetic portrait of drama addicts and their psychological struggles and teaches us how we can all recover from being addicted to drama. Uh, We are going to talk about this thing he talks about in the book called seeking crisis to validate an unidentifiable discomfort. Holy moly. Kevin and I might have been drama addicts. I mean, listen, I'm a Gemini, so I think that just is officially a drama queen. Um, everything's always heightened with us, (laughs) but, um, but I think there was a period where it's easy to fall into it. Right. And when you, uh, also come from a lot of drama, like my dad almost dying every day, there's always something revving you up. You can easily be addicted to that. Right. Just like if you're taking something, um, um, 
like a pill or something you'd get addicted. Something you're having every day can become an addiction. And so we're going to delve into what this addiction is all about and how we can heal or break it with Dr. Scott Lyons. Scott, I'm so excited for this episode. Though I didn't get the book in time. I'm very, very sad. It is It is at... Um... It will it will arrive today. Okay. Well, I'm going I, I, to read it. There's also a little like there's a little um stuff for a, a photo party for you to do. Oh, okay. There's like there's some fun dress up stuff in there. Interesting. Uh, okay. There's a there's a hat and some candy. <laughs> so, as I was telling the team earlier, I think being born a Gemini, it's like kind of official that you're a drama queen, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was in my book that's like page 76 <laughs> if you're a gemini you're automatically addicted to drama yeah well or and, and maybe not addicted to drama but just like kind of like the generic form of a d- drama queen like my family used to call me hollywood growing up and we I'm, were very far from hollywood we were immigrant family janitors yeah. we were not like ever thinking hollywood but they used to call me hollywood because i was very big and very dramatic I- were they premonising too? Perhaps. I mean... I, I think they created your future. By okay. sub- Perhaps they did. They just kept saying Hollywood. And then, Hollywood. And then we see like, it. Okay, let's go. <laughs> but, but I'm really fascinated um, by just the whole idea of being addicted to drama because I do think my my thought is that it's no different than taking pills and getting addicted, you can get addicted to drama if that's what you're constantly around. And for us growing up, my dad was a severe type 1 diabetic, almost dying on the regular every single day. So we had the fire department at our house, the EMTs at our house. We knew us all by first name. We knew them by first name. It was intense. And so as I look back, we were always walking on eggshells. Is he going to live today? Is he going to die today? Yeah. And and I think that definitely brewed an addiction to drama. And then we definitely had a lot of drama with my brother. And um, and then, of course, you know, then I moved to Hollywood, which is just filled with drama. So right. I think since I started healing from and, and started this show and doing a lot of work, I've unraveled some of it and and gotten better about it. And I know not to dip my toe into certain people's lives because I know what comes with it. Um, but I'd love for you to explain to everybody just what drama addiction is and and kind of how you came to this work because you're certified in 20 different things, whether it's somatic therapy or uh, all kinds of your clinical psychologists. So share with everybody how you came to this work and what it is. Yeah, how I came about it is like you. I I had a childhood that was slightly different, but very unpredictable. And in that unpredictability, I I really became accustomed to walking on eggshells. You know that hyper vigilance. And for me, when that when the stimulus when there wasn't something actually there to be hyper vigilant about, it felt like it created this anxiety, and that anxiety only got soothed when I went and sought or created the circumstances that would match that sort of revving on the inside, that that stress that as my status quo. And so, you know, I like you went into the arts and that was often met 
that sort of like that high powered stimulus that like constant stress and you know whether it was going on stage for a thousand people every night or um you know just the creation of shows and getting to exaggerate and intensify my feelings and then be applauded at the end <laughs> you know that has wow. felt really nice and and really you know the pattern of that addiction to drama for me really was reaffirmed that like hey you can be rewarded and then when outside of the arts like in my relationships it didn't work it really was chaos and toxic in my relationships with my family with my friends um in other work environments and i just reached a point in my late 20s where i was had the biggest job of my life in the arts i was directing a rock band that's wow. a huge rock band Who? and i can't say no way <laughs> i know wait they sign, out alone, they maybe. make you sign a confidentiality agreement even to say the name of the band yeah because i ended up walking away oh Okay. Because it was such chaos, wow, and I was Rolling like, Stones got that pissed. I'm kidding. <laughs> and oh my god! <laughs> okay. um, and <laughs> quiet, quiet crickets. Um, yeah, and and it had it had filled my bucket. I like I had a pretty big bucket of what I could hold with stress, and I thrived off of it. And being in that in that situation on top of all these other things i was going through divorce and i was still in grad school at the time and my like insurance fell through with my grad school and all these things and it just tipped over and i could no longer function i i got really sick and um and ended up needing to quit everything i went and basically hid in my a cave which was my parents house for two months and um because your immune system can't handle that fight or flight the constantly and i know because i've lived the same thing my whole life lived it. yeah and i got a brain tumor and all kinds of other things and so it's yeah it's like your body finally says no more mm -hmm. and if you don't address this i will and I, it sounds like we both went through a similar experience i had severe tias what's that and basically small strokes oh yes you're right you're right and I had a bunch of them and I was like, I lost vision in one of my eyes for a while. And it was, it was, you know, at a certain point I was throwing up blood and that, that wasn't related to the TIAs, but it was really bad. Wow. And I basically collapsed for months and wildly enough, the only thing that made me feel better, maybe not so surprisingly, was getting into fights with people, was to call my ex up was to like dip my toes back in the toxicity. And I was shocked. I was like, what am I doing? Like the you only- You were aware. Oh yeah. Because the ride had stopped to know you could see what you were doing. Yeah, totally. And I, you know, like, it's like, oh, I'd feel a little sad. And all of a sudden I'd play the whole like album of Adele. And I was like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Why am I amplifying? and intensifying these small little emotions and making them so much more than they are. That's such a and, big point you just said, because I remember oh, yeah? doing that in college. You I'd did. be so sad and I would like play Magic 106.7 because it was all sad love songs. Yeah. And I didn't know I was amplifying those little feelings. Yeah. But I think we all do that in some way or we numb it. 
oh, we numb it. But like even going at it can essentially numb it. Like if you've, I don't know if you've ever felt insecure, you know, as a human being, we all have, we all do. And then like, where do you go once you feel insecure? Do you go like compare yourself to other people on social media? Do you amplify it? Do you make it worse? And there's a way in which that not only amplifies the feeling, but it also tips you over so you become a little bit numb. It's like the feeling is too big to process at that point, so you can't actually take it in. And that's what drama does. It is both protective and it creates suffering. Enough protection that it actually like overwhelms your system so you can't feel anything and creates enough sensation to rise above the numbness of what is an underlying pain and trauma to actually feel alive. To feel. So we yeah, to feel, to feel anything. Yeah. I mean, when you're walking on eggshells, you're tightening up, right? You're bracing mm-hmm. as a kid. And that bracing becomes your like status quo of how all your muscles function, how your whole body starts to go tight and numb. And so you feel less as a protective mechanism. We all do that. It's whether we call it disassociation or it's just a reflexive reaction to trauma, we tighten, we brace. And in that bracing, we cut ourselves off from ourselves. We cut ourselves off from the world. And when we can rise above the threshold of that numbness, like, ooh, I'm going to go perform in front of a thousand people, or I'm going to go stir up a fight with my friends, or I'm going to go gossip. And it's that like energy that rises up that makes me go, I'm alive. Mm -hmm. I, I matter in this world. And maybe if I'm alive, I belong here. That's a lot of stuff. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of 
wonderful pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how does one identify themselves as a potential drama queen? <laughs> what are the symptoms? <laughs> what are the symptoms? It's harder to diagnose oneself than it is for other people to diagnose them. I will say it's like, you know, whenever I've done got into an audience, I'm like, all right, everyone, raise your hand if you're if you know someone addicted to drama. And everyone like raises their hand. Some people put up two hands because they're for both their parents or their siblings or whomever. Um, and I'm like, okay, now raise your hand if you're addicted to drama. And it's like crickets. <laughs> Maybe yeah. some tentative hands kind of go up, but it, I find that it's, it's, I mean, that's the nature of addiction well, too. It's scary to admit it. Like even before I was doing this, I was like, oh. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, no, I think you know what this is all about, Maria. Just be honest. <laughs> was there like shame for you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, there's, there's always going to be shame when there's something, there's a negative connotation to it. It's yeah. not an illness where someone can feel bad for you, right? It's not like, oh, you have cancer. Everyone's going to look at you. Oh, I'm, I have a drama addiction. You're a, you're a toxic person or you're a bad person. Um, that's why I always love this show because even seemingly something that could have a negative connotation or or make you feel bad, once you get to the root of it and you understand why it's happening to each other or to yourself, then everybody can have a little bit of empathy of where it comes from. Right. Yeah. This isn't this isn't something that you're just a bad person or you act badly or whatever. It, it's coming from somewhere. And yeah. usually it has nothing to do with you. It's what your environment dictated. Yeah. It's it's so disruptive that I think anyone who experiences it on the receiving end goes, What are you doing? Like, why are mm -hmm. you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to the environment? And the the question is not really like why it's what are they doing as a means of surviving yeah like yeah because oh, this is yeah. this is one of the lines i i grabbed onto yeah and this is what i want to ask you about too is seeking crisis to validate an unidentifiable discomfort yeah yeah. So, so that's what this is, right? This, the core of this addiction is we're seeking to validate something we don't know is hurting us inside. So we need yeah. a way to like get it out. Yeah, exactly. So I, when I was saying earlier, like, uh, I was always 
feeling anxious as a kid because that anxiety was part of the way I survived. It was my way of being hyper vigilant to the environment to be on the lookout for the next possible threat. Yeah. Yeah. I had and, to literally with my mom be yeah. so in tune with my dad energetically, psychically to know he's not okay, but I'm in school, but I know yeah. it's not okay. I've got to run home and go get him. And I would find him comatose on the floor. So I got the reward for that anxiety constantly because I always knew. I yeah. felt it. I was so tapped in. My mom would be at work and she would have to race home because she's like, I can feel it. He's not okay. So talk about eggshells. It was like on the highest of levels. But now the problem is, is I worry about everyone and everything like that. People who work yeah. with me, people who I'm friends with, the neighbor's gate is open and their dog might get out and they don't know their gate is open. Do I need to go tell them the gate is open? The hypervigilance doesn't just live here in my core. It goes out. So meditation has really helped change my life in the last year and a half. Um, doesn't mean that I'm not able to slip back into those modes and then I got to get myself back out sometimes. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting question. When someone is not okay, and because you're so, you know, attentive to that, is there a part of you that feels relieved or somehow like strangely satisfied when you actually encounter that? Like, I'm so worried about them and then they're not okay and then things feel in sync. Uh, I think you get validation that you were right. Yeah. And yeah. then that makes you realize you're okay to be in that state all the time. Exactly. This is yeah. a useful tool. Yeah. To be hypervigilant because yeah. look, that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And so the same is true for like those and uh, that state of addiction and drama is like, oh, I'm looking for that next threat, that next issue, that next challenge constantly so I can be ready for it. Mm -hmm. And if it's not there, I'm not, I'm not unconsciously go create or seek it so that I feel like you said, validated. Oh, yes, that internal vigilance looking for the next, you know, chaos or crisis is right. Yeah. I'm, I'm confirmed in this world as doing the right thing. The well, problem have, is I don't realize I'm creating it. That's the thing. That. So Patty yeah. Penn, she's a, a Reiki master. She's been on the show many times. I did a session with her years ago. And she, I was like, I just, I know, I can feel bad people. I instantly know, oh my God, that's a bad person. And she was like, because I've had to protect myself I, from physical violence, all, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And so I'm, I always say like, I, I can just spot it a mile away. So I know I can feel it. Um, and she goes, well, if you're always looking for the monster, you're going to find him. And that just changed everything for me. So now I go into scenarios completely open-hearted and open-minded, and I, yeah. I don't look for the monster anymore, and I have such a more peaceful life <laughs> because of it. But I, I was trained to have to protect myself and everyone around me at all times. So I was always just scanning and scanning and scanning, and I'm like, hmm, that one. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. I don't look for that one. And if that one's there, cool. I know I have faith now that I'm protected and I'm guided and I'm okay. Yeah. And that has, has been a really helpful thing. Wow. What a beautiful place of healing to get to where you can release the vigilance like that. It takes a long time. Yeah. As yeah. you probably know. So what was your journey like to 
to healing this because that's how we're going to learn how to heal from it too. Yeah. I mean, it it took a long time. Drama was my spice of life. And it's your safe place. It was my safe place. It's it was your my home, familiar. It's your familiar. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So it was like giving up my identity. It was giving up all the ways I knew how to protect myself against the violence I experienced as a kid. You know, it was everything I knew, like you said, as familiar and giving it up. And I remember I write in the book about like when I started catching myself, revving myself up or seeking the conditions of stress and I would stop myself and I'd hear these thoughts of like, you're going to be so boring. No one will ever pay attention to you. You won't get a job in the arts. You won't like, you, you know, like you are your friend's entertainment and and you're going to be alone. It was like all these scripts that had had been created to secure the pattern of the addiction to drama. So as I would start to, they were like guards to the drama addiction, then, you know, like mean critical guards, but you know, like it was pretty harsh and it was painful to hear like those internal scripts of being like, you'll be no one. You won't be important if you don't have this skill set of being entertaining and provocative and knowing how to stir things up. So that was a big piece of like really, you know, confronting these inner scripts that um that were the bodyguard, so to speak, of the addiction. And you know, slowing down was a big piece of it. You know, in our urgency culture, it's so easy to be swept away. And for those of us who've had trauma, urgency is inherently part of us. It's like, and and I, I love the science of that. We can go into it. But like, literally, if you have experienced trauma, your sense of time changes. Truly, everything is urgent. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But you know this. You know this so bad. So no, I feel this. It's funny I because this. I think I just realized what I have to work on. Because Tell even me. right now, I'm feeling yeah. so much urgency around so many things. I have a baby coming, and and now they're saying a little earlier. <laughs> There's like all this stuff, yeah. and yeah. and I never knew that that yeah. time shifts when you've gone through trauma, and that's why everything's urgent. Yeah. So I'm like, why do I get it's, so revved up? I I yeah. know that everything's gonna be fine. I know everything's gonna get done. And I know that I'll make a mountain out of a molehill. Like, there's so many things to do. And then I sit down to do them and it takes one hour. <laughs> <laughs> so like, why did I spend so much time stressing about it? But but there's something underneath that needs to be addressed. Yeah. So, you know, being on the lookout for the next possible threat our whole sensory system adapts and changes to filter only that information. So time changes, um, our perception of time changes, our eyes become more narrowed looking for threat. Our, our auditory system, we look for more high-pitched and low-pitched sounds, ones associated more with threat. Our, our taste becomes more tuned for bitters. Like all of our senses become more tuned for the next possible threat. And if it's not there, like I said before, it creates this an even greater anxiety, a dissonance. And to feel finally in sync with the world or with other people, we need them to also be in chaos. And strangely enough, like 
those who are addicted to drama, that's their that's their way to bring people. They like if you've ever been around someone addicted to drama, it's like their tornado pulls you in, it vacuums you in to their crisis. And that's their way of bringing you in sync with them so they can feel a sense of belonging. Wow. It's the safest way to for them to feel belonging. Because just like easeful connection, it's too intimate. It's too vulnerable. It makes you too uh, unprepared for the next threat if you soften that much or get that quiet. Wow. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Oh my God. Are you guys <laughs> resonating with this in the booth? What are you guys thinking? It's just, I like I when I had my pre with Scott, I was like couldn't really speak words because I was just like, what the flip? Like every sentence was like, <laughs> holy shit! It just makes so much sense. Like it makes so much sense because I'm the same way. Where like I get revved up about sh like stuff so easily, and yeah. I, I guess my question, like my follow up, is like, like how do you not? Like how do you start to yeah. like kind of disarm? Right. And like kind of break down all those systems that have been put up because of the trauma and also follow up to that, because I want you to go into like the difference between like a trauma bond and like a drama bond, because I know that there's a difference in that, too. It's yeah. Anyways, that's where my brain's going. It's like all of this is hitting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, part of even addressing it is first unshaming it. That's a big one. Because if it's filled with shame, there's no way we're going to associate our, our actions with it because it means we're bad or what we've done is bad. So just going, hey, we have chased drama as a means of navigating our trauma. It's as simple as that. And, and de-shaming it is a big one. And all the symptoms, you know, making a mountain out of molehills, getting into chronic fights where intensity is confused with intimacy um you know certainly if anyone has ever said to you or thought it <laughs> they probably have thought it around you where it's like oh my gosh what just happened how did we get from here to here and why am i involved like if you've ever heard anyone around that say that around you it's it's a good indication that you might be have a little propensity for drama um there's always this chronic urgency looking for what the next bad thing will be feeling like you can't settle or rest that's a big one like if you if you are challenged to take a bath or go to a yoga class or take a meditation class or even get a reiki session and all of a sudden you're settling 
and like an alarm goes off and you're thinking about a fight you had with someone or what you have to do next or any of these things that take you out of the stillness, that is the same inherent reflex that's embedded for those with an addiction to drama. It's called a revving reflex. You know, typically we have a relaxation reflex. We start to settle, ah, our breath gets deeper, there's more weight into the surface we're resting on. But for those with an addiction to drama, that's too vulnerable. It means you won't be ready for the next threat. So we instead have a revving reflex that takes us up and out. Yeah, we start to like have an easeful day and we start to think about what could go wrong. It's like an allergy to marinating in the good. Mm. I definitely, before brain tumor, was that. Yeah. I couldn't sit still. You my friends used to, my friend used to call me, he was friends with Lucille Ball. He's like, you're just like Lucy. She couldn't stop. And uh, I was like, oh, thank you for comparing me to my idol. I love her. I know, right? Um, but I remember being still being really, really hard. And like yeah. I said, that's why I'm so grateful t- for the show because it's taught me so much and it's healed me so much. Yeah. Um, because now I love being alone. I love being in quiet. I love being in peace. I love my baths. Um, I love stillness right at this moment, definitely not doing well with stillness and <laughs> just because of everything that's happening. And I am, yeah. I am going back into that familiar, like <gasps> heightened urgency, you know, yeah. fear, I'm not going to get it all done. Fear. I'm not going to be ready for this baby. You know, all of these things. Yeah. Um, you want to do so. a practice with me right now? Yes. Okay. So. If I were to reflect back, like a fear of like the you know everything about the baby, I'm actually exaggerating it with you, so we can amp ourselves up even okay. a little bit more. Yeah, I'm, I don't have a mattress for her yet. I don't have all the stuff, all the baby yeah. wipes, all that yeah. stuff. I don't know. Yeah. The baby carriage hasn't come yet. The car seat yeah. hasn't shown up. I got to get on a plane. Do I ship it there? Do I not? And then, <laughs> so for those who are listening. Notice what's happening in your own body as we hear sort of the intensification, the amplification, the revving up. This is an important thing because stress is contagious. So I just want to name that. We'll come back to that. But for you and I right now, here's a practice that I love, which is let's take one of those sentences. Like I have to get on a plane or I don't have a bed yet for her. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to Put space in between each word. I'm not asking you to slow it down. I'm just asking you to put a little bit of space between each word. I don't even Mm -hmm. have a mattress for her yet. Yeah, good. And notice... Yeah, and there's that relaxation reflex. Yeah, there's already a bit of settling. It's not totally settled, but there's some settling. Now, let's see if we can add like just an awareness of the chair coming up to support and hold you. So it's like a white, cushy chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she feels comfy. She feels comfy. <laughs> yeah. And we're still going to talk about it. I'm not asking you to relax. I'm not asking you to calm down. We're just creating support and space. It's a little bit different than trying to like put a cap on your feelings because there's big feelings that are here. 
And embedded in those feelings is an important need. So underneath the speed and intensity of those words is a feeling. And you can say what that feeling is, or if you want to keep it to yourself, I respect that. <laughs> yeah what's the need um, and we can hang out with the feeling we don't need the feeling the need can sometimes organically emerge from just validating the feeling it's like we're just dipping our finger instead of dipping our finger into the drama like you and i know yeah. just dipping our toe or dipping our finger into the emotion like the texture of it the color of it the sensation of it we're just saying i'm here with you Yeah, and you notice there were brief little moments where you wanted to rev yourself up and out of the feeling. Mm -hmm. I could catch you in it. And then you made the conscious decision. I could see you kind of go, mm, I want to, mm, I want to, and then you dipped in. And I noticed you dipped in because you were able to rest your body weight a little bit more into the chair, mm -hmm. just even a little bit. And that's an indication that we're moving away from that big rev, that big stress energy. Yeah, because when you're in the rev, like I used to call it the kettle going hot. Yeah. And at some point when I realized my kettle would get hot, I would just stop everything for five to 10 minutes and go sit outside and do zero and not think of anything. Yeah. And then it would just cool down. Yeah. And then I could be more rational because when you're revving, you're not rational. Okay, how hard is it to get a freaking mattress? I'm going to go on Amazon. I'm going to order it. It's going to be done in one second. It's back to what I was saying earlier where I'll make the mountain out of the molehill. I've got this whole list of things to do and it'll be done in an hour. I just want that time to just be able to focus. And so for me, sometimes I'm pulled in so many different directions that I don't get to just focus on what I need to do. Yeah. And that's where I get frustrated. But when you can, I really like that exercise of pause, spaces in between the words because that instantly calmed me down. It instantly stopped the revving. And, um, and then you can get rational. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of got yeah. rational right away. I'm like, wow, Maria, you have issues after everything you've yeah. gone through health wise, you're sitting here stressing about a mattress. You're never going to learn. Oh, it, it's, you know, yes, you get more rational, but you get more effective with your energy. Like if we only have so much energy and attention in our account, our body account or our bank account of energy. And it's like, how much is actually needed to address this? Mm -hmm. Like, do I really need to use 70, 80% of my daily energy and attention on this activity? And the thing with trauma is our barometer to measure how much energy and emotion and attention we need gets really funky. We can't accurately measure. So I'm going to pick up this pen as though it was a 100-pound dumbbell. Like that, that's what happens. And so we can't quite measure it. So it's like, oh, I, you know, there's four things. It's compounded stress. And I can't, I can't measure how much energy and, and attention I need. So I'm just going to rev myself up. So I have unlimited energy to deal with it. And, and one of the things, and when we've had trauma, a lot of our energy, our really baseline energy is actually trapped away. It's frozen in our body. So revving ourselves up creates a false like caffeine high. It's a stress high though. 
because the first stage in a stress response is called activation. It's literally when we flood ourselves with energy to adapt to the situation. And that's where an addiction to drama happens is we keep revving ourselves with that energy to adapt, but we can't functionally adapt because we are not accurately measuring how much energy and attention we truly need. Mm. All right, friends, we're going to stop this interview right here because we're going to make this two parts. I'd like to make these as consumable for you guys as possible now, knowing that anything over 30 minutes is just too long. So we're going to leave that right there. And tomorrow we will pick up with part two with Dr. Scott Lyons.